0: I won't do that to my readers. The cheap, easy way out. Everything has to make sense. Everything has to tie together. Everything has to have an emotional component and impact because that is what makes a book captivating. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award winning author of the kick ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt, one word at a time.
1: Taylor, we had a message. I think this came into the group um, a few weeks ago. And it, w- it was Even from...
0: More, it was like last year, I
1: think. Well, yeah, all but, right. You know, yeah.
0: We're still early in the year. Yes.
1: But. So, it, it and it was from Carol, who is very kind to contribute to the show on a regular basis. And we really appreciate it. We appreciate everyone who contributes in any way, whether it be email or posting in the group or comments. But she had an idea for a show. And uh, she talked about, she has her own writing manifesto. And she wondered if you might, uh, have a, a writing manifesto of your own. So that's going to be the topic of the show today. But it, it reminded me that we haven't really talked about our own, uh, the manifesto sort of for doing the Taylor Stevens show. Uh, we have a lot of new listeners over the course of the last several months since we moved the show to your website. And, you know, it's a little easier for people to share and get involved. And there are people that weren't listening back in the beginning, and might not know why we're even showing up on a weekly basis and, and doing this. So do we have a manifesto for the show?
0: I don't think we've never officially made a manifesto. And, but I have thought about, like, since we started talking about this just a little bit a few minutes ago, like, why? What? What is it, you know, that is guiding me to do this show? And so I This is not manifesto, quote-unquote, fingers-in-the-air language, but I have two reasons for doing this. One is that there's a lot of information that is put together for writing and storytelling, etc., etc., that is really difficult to put into real-world terms. And you read it, and your eyes kind of cross over, and you're just like, "What the heck does that actually mean?" So the first manifesto is to try and make it simpler, to answer questions, to help put it into reach of those who listen, so that it's not writing is not some abstract uh, thing on a pedestal that that you know can only be only the few can attain it. The second is To humanize the life, the product that comes from writing, it's really easy for those who have looked up to specific authors who are fans of, of an author to almost idealize or put them, put the author on a pedestal. And that, I think, can maybe be a little bit of a handicap for someone starting out because it just seems so unattainable. And so, the second goal in this quote unquote manifesto would be to show that at least this author has feet of clay. I struggle to show that we are it's 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 just one human to the next, and there's nothing that separates me from you except a few published books uh, so that. There is that connection in an equalizer, I suppose, and and bring the reality of publishing and everything into the conversation so that it's not some abstract, you know, man on a mountain worshipful thing.
1: I remember the day you came up with the tagline for the show, which is kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And I just thought that was brilliant. Where did that come from? Because it just seemed perfect for what we were doing.
0: Oh, I don't know. It's where does anything that I do come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was just there.
1: It was just there. But that's what we do, and, and it is. It's and it ties back into what you were saying. You know, it, it's humanizing the process and and explaining it in in such a way that they see that you're not sitting down at a computer. Typing complete, perfect paragraphs one after another after another that turn into scenes and then chapters and then books. And maybe it's like a draft and a half to get it done. Um, you know, you are, as we are all doing, um, kicking writing in the butt one single I'm word at a where... time, sometimes one painful word at a time.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: I'm going to read the, uh, the message from from Carol. Uh, C.A. Newsom, Carol C.A. Newsom, writes uh, mysteries. And this came from an earlier thread about uh, another author and and the reason why people might start, uh, why readers might drop a book or, or drop a series, stop reading a series. And Carol says, she called to mind the decisions I made about what I wanted my books to be when I started writing. I never formalized it, but I do have a mental manifesto. Like... I will make an ordinary nice guy a more satisfying leading man than a billionaire alpha male. Mm-hmm. I, w- I will not rely on magical fixes such as the ever-so-convenient informants to move my plots along, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, this sort of came in response to some discussions that we'd had on the show, Uh, but it it all tied in perfectly to that. But she closes by saying, I'd love for Taylor to share her manifesto. Uh, What are you dedicated to putting in front of your readers?
0: Wow.
1: That's a good question. It's a really good question.
0: It's a whole lot harder to answer than the show manifesto one was. Um, Well, I in in some ways
1: well let Carol- me let me but before we get before we get to that um be, because we talk we do this show and and we talk from time to time you have really high expectations for yourself in terms of the quality of your writing and you believe that your readers deserve that from you and it's it's something that i i i, I don't i mean it sounds silly to say it's unique to you um, because lots of authors feel that way. But you you seem to feel really strongly about um, delivering the best possible material that you can.
0: Um, we'll get to that in a minute.
1: Okay, all right, okay.
0: <laughs> so I was, you know, as I was listening to you reread Carol's manifesto, I realized that in some ways, most authors would have an advantage in that they've already read a lot of books. And so they know what they like and what has upset them and turned them away from reading that authors. And it's allowed them to formulate sort of personal taste even. And I had none of that going into a career as an author. So as a manifesto, there's not really... A lot that i can say that i pre-thought before writing and we talked before about in in our show about what makes you stop reading an author how when i was reading robert Ludlum's books he would put his characters in these situations where they would just struggle and struggle and struggle to get somewhere and then they'd fight they'd get there and the whole point was the whole struggle was pointless because someone they knew was already there and was just watching them struggle or whatever the thing and he did it in enough books that I just was like Ugh. so Ugh. I had one thing before I started writing it's like I'm not going to do that because it it personally did not work for me um so I think if I have developed any manifesto it has been through the process of writing um there, we were asked on a panel once: Is there anything that you would not put in a book? Um, I don't think I could bring myself to kill a child or kill an animal. But by kill, I don't mean that they couldn't die; just that they wouldn't be murdered. Or I don't, I, I I'm not psychologically capable of using children as pawns. You know, where a kid gets kidnapped or whatever. At least I don't think that I am. I can't read that. Granted, I probably couldn't read my own books if I hadn't written them either. So I don't know. That's iffy. But um, going back to the subject that you were asking about in terms of the high quality, this actually came up in a conversation with Steve and I earlier. This is why it's fresh on his mind, I think. I had been on Amazon, I think it was, and I was looking at some of the... um, some indie books that I had heard about that um, because, you know, some genres do better than others. And so I was like, well, I want to, I want to look, I want to go see. And so I did some of the the look insides where you can go look at other people's stuff and just see the first few pages. And there was this, some book, I don't even remember what it was. That was way at the top of this list. And I clicked on the look inside and I'm like, my mouth just starts to drop open and I'm looking at the reviews and they've got more rankings and better stars than I do. And I kind of buzz Steve and I'm like, have a meltdown in his lap. Because, <laughs> not his lap, his shoulder. Because I'm like, have you seen this stuff? And he's, he's like, what, what? You know? And, and, and so I, I showed it to him. And um, I was like, this, this is more popular. It's, it's, it's better selling. Make probably makes a heck of a lot more money than any of my books do. And it's horrible. The writing is truly horrible. And I'm sure the stories are great. Uh, you know, it's got all these crazy, you know, 4.4 star average or whatever, you know. And, and I'm like, I wish I could do this. I wish I could write like this where it's just, it, it's worse than my first drafts. I wish I could do that because if I could do that, I could probably produce maybe 12 books a year and I would have no financial stress in my life.
1: And it's it's funny because I when she showed me the book, I don't read in that genre at all. I know nothing about that genre and and I don't I don't know what readers expect in that genre. I understand what readers expect in the mystery genre and the thriller genre um but but some of these Subgenres of subgenres, I I I just I don't I don't really know. So I I I wonder how different reader expectations come into play. Uh, certainly, if, uh, if a book written like that were were published as a thriller, it would not sell well. It just it just wouldn't.
0: I imagine that it wouldn't, um, and and that would be a really good show topic for another time. Is reader expectations, but I. On the the subject of, you know, Steve was saying that I have this commitment to my readers to give them the quality that I think they deserve. Yes, that's true. But I don't know any other way. Like if I could write really fast and just vomit it onto the page and publish it and make money from it, I would do it. I would totally sell myself out. Um, just to, to not have that stress hanging over my head. One book a year is really, really hard to make a living on. And um, especially in this day and age where there's just so much out there. So each author seems to be getting a smaller and smaller and smaller piece of the pie. So I, um, as far as a manifesto goes, I, I think if there, if there is one, if, if I have one, it's that I'm not going to bullshit my readers. In that I don't, I don't use easy. And Steve will know this because I've talked it. Whenever he's thrown stories my way or story ideas that he's working on, I'm like, it's too easy. You're, you're taking the easy road out. You've got to find something harder, more complicated, something that makes sense, something that ties together. And I'm just constantly lecturing him. I'm sure he's sick of hearing it. But I, I won't do that to my readers. The cheap, easy way out everything has to make sense. Everything has to tie together. Everything has to have an emotional component and impact because that is what makes a book captivating. But coming up with that can be excruciating. It's so much easier to just throw it together and, you know, happily ever after and whatever. So just because I have a manifesto doesn't mean that It always benefits me personally. (laughs) (laughs) But I think if I had one, that would be as close to as it, is to give that book everything I've got. I don't hold back. I don't, like, save something for the next one. Everything that I've got goes into that right then, right there, until I can get it as good as I can get it. I think going in to this also, I... I don't know that I articulated it, but I was like, I'm not going to write the same book over and over and over and over again. But that might have been a mistake because a lot of readers really like to read the same book over and over again. They'll tell you they don't, but they, they, they really do. They just want you to change it up a little bit. So by going too far different, um, I might have kicked myself in the foot. But I, uh, I know that I don't like reading the same book over and over and over again. So I wasn't going to do that to my readers.
1: There are some authors I know who will not have any swearing in their book. Uh, well, whether, we
0: obviously know that's not a problem for me. No,
1: we know that's we know that's not you, or people who have read your books know that's not you. Um, but there are, I, I know, and, and we've talked about this before with uh, John Sanford. His his readers love the books, but there is, um, I, you know, a, a growing. Hue and cry amongst some readers that there's too much swearing in them. I don't I don't know oh. what that means, um, but I, I know there are some genres where you just you can't swear, and there are other genres uh, like some of the ones we were talking about earlier. That, you know where there's just a lot of stuff in there that that doesn't make its way into um, main mainstream uh, books, and you know a, a writer might be uncomfortable writing, for example, a really explicit sex scenes
0: i don't write them i i've never written an explicit sex scene and my it's not that i'm a prude and i have a problem with it i just think that there is a level of skill of pulling it off without making it corny that i do not possess
1: and there's there's also a level of skill of leading up to it and then picking the story up after that uh, you know presents it in in an elegant way that still provides a level of titillation for for readers who are looking for that kind of thing and it gets you right back into the story right i mean there are people that do that really really well and then i've i've read other people who have done it that way really really well for years and then all of a sudden maybe pressure from publishers or something and it's you know there's more there and it's like oh. ew <laughs> you just you just want to flip through the pages and get, and get to the story because you're not expecting it with that oh, and you know oh, maybe, I- maybe that's the whole manifesto thing if if you you know you you sort of have a tacit agreement between yourself and the readers you know the readers who love your work uh, they expect things from you and if you changed up dramatically in in terms of the quality of the work or the way that uh, the language that you used in producing the work, like I bet, if you if you wrote a book with no swearing, people would ask about it.
0: They might. I think more specifically, if I wrote a book that was, and I, I say a Monroe book because I could write a different book mm-hmm. with different characters, starting fresh in a sort of a different style, and I think it would be easier for readers to go with that than if I were to write. A Monroe book that was lazy Mm -hmm. and that would just be that that would be it for them I would be better served not writing another Monroe book and putting that energy into a different series than to bring laziness into the Monroe books and I will tell you those books are hard to write I've written other stuff and it is so much easier Monroe stories are hard to write which is why we haven't had one published in two years
1: (laughs) (laughs) why do you think the other books are easier Why? What Um, specifically makes them easier?
0: There is, and and this is something that probably 98% of my readers would not even notice because, and we've talked about this before, how if you're a carpenter, you're going to see the flaws in a work that the average consumer would not see. Uh, You just can't. You don't have that experience. And so most readers are are not writers and of the ones that are writers maybe they haven't even they haven't written as much um so there is a complexity to the language and a complexity to the amount of detail that is put into every sentence and by detail i don't mean awareness attention to detail i mean the amount of facts and picture painting that is put into every sentence, that it might take someone with less, put have put in less time, or maybe less um, experience with the craft, might take them a page to communicate in that one paragraph, what's in that one paragraph. So that level of finding ways to word things so that there's this vivid, vivid picture is, is very time-consuming and brain-intensive. And it's the sort of style that people have come to expect in these books, especially in terms of character and location settings and the, the interchange in the plot, very complex plots, that just aren't as difficult to put into other books because there's a little a little more breathing space for it, that if, if I don't do it, nobody's going to miss it.
1: Okay, and I, I believe you about the plots. I'm not sure I'm buying the idea that that you can write sentences that are less that that, that you just allow yourself to just cut loose with with the language <laughs> instead of trying to condense it to make it uh, to make that one paragraph say what a page would say. I, but I just
0: I, but I might put like 80 percent of the effort into it instead of a hundred percent, but. Only maybe 98%, only maybe 1% or 2% of my readers would ever notice the difference between my 80% and my 100%.
1: If you could write in a completely different genre and not lose anything for it, and what I mean by that is you have an audience for your thrillers. So if you were to write a romance, Uh, a a good percentage of those would probably shake their head and say, wow, I'm not going to read that. Um,
0: Oh, but I would pick up so many new readers.
1: Well, if you could write in any (laughs) genre uh, without penalty, without reader penalty, what would you write in?
0: I think I would write what's – I don't know if it's considered a genre – but it's like maybe it's just mainstream fiction where you're just telling stories of people's lives. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there's I, I, just, I have stories in my head that don't fit into any genre, some that have magical elements to it, but they're not fantasy books. It, the, and that's the problem is that if you, if you write a story that doesn't fit, nobody knows how to sell it. If, if I could write anything without penalty... It would be to just write anything, and even if it's completely different from what I've ever written before, be, and, and, and not worry about following genre, not worrying about meeting a set of reader expectations other than to put the best that I could into that particular story. But there might be stories that have no, no blood, no violence, There might be stories that have no, the world is going to end if this person doesn't save someone else, no dark, brooding anger and gender bendy stuff. Not that I have a problem with writing all that, Um, but just to write stories that would be liberating.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. For the listener question this week, and this just popped into my head, sometimes we talk about these things ahead of time and sometimes things just pop into one of our heads. And uh, I'm curious uh, amongst the people out there listening that have read Taylor's books, if you could direct her to write in a genre other than thrillers, uh, what would you suggest that she write in? (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be curious to hear that. That doesn't mean I'm going to do it.
1: Guys. No, no, it doesn't mean <laughs> that. But if you, be, because you've read thrillers and you love the you love the thrillers that she writes, but if she were to write in another genre, which genre would most interest you? So I'd I guess that's the inter- question.
0: Yeah, I'd also be interested to know if I wrote something that wasn't a thriller, would my readers follow me? And I suppose this is a really bad venue to ask that question because anybody who is both a reader and a listener of this show obviously kind of likes me a little, maybe likes what I do, whatever, you know. They'd probably just go check it out for nothing else than Taylor wrote this, what did she do? It's the other. 50,000 people out there that I have no way to communicate with that I'd really want to know the answer to that question to. But if I did write something else, would you follow me? Would you pick it up? Would you read it?
1: All right. So we would love to hear the answer to those questions. You, there, as you know, there are a lot of ways you can get to us. You can reach us on the hotline. You can leave a comment on uh, Taylor's Facebook group. You can leave a comment on the, the show website, which is com. Or you could send an email to Taylor or tweet it or whatever. We would just love to hear from you. And again, um, if you want us to mention your name, please let us know that it's okay because Taylor is so cautious about that. I'm not cautious at all. I would mention everyone's name, but Taylor's the <laughs> cautious one, so we have to we have to work around her. And we would love to mention your name if you, if you have some comments you'd like to share with us. So thank you so much for listening, and we will be back in your ear again next
0: Tuesday. Be with you next week.